It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here on the Locked On Big 12 Podcast here on this Friday, December 18th, 2020. On the show today, it is our Big 12 Championship Preview from the Oklahoma perspective. We had the Iowa State perspective with Michael Swain from 24-7 Sports on Tuesday. Guys, go check that one out if you have not checked it out already. Really great stuff there. And then today with David Walker, I talk about it from the OU perspective. David Walker is obviously the host of Locked On Sooners. You guys have heard him here before. I was on their podcast on Monday night uh, slash Tuesday's show, I believe. So uh, love, always love talking to David and uh, some good insights. He played in two of these Big 12 championship games, won one of them. And we talk about Oklahoma's chances this year, kind of in general, how they've dominated the conference and been to this game uh, you know, throughout the decades. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. OU seems to be the one constant. They're 10-1 and one in Big 12 title games. Uh, we discuss that and more. We also make our game picks. And then we've got picks, guys, later in this show for the rest of of championship weekend is our Saturday seven lines brought to you by bet online AG. And then we're going to talk some big 12 hoops. Kansas escapes uh, Lubbock with a win last night against Texas tech. We'll get to that later in the show and then take a look at the rest of the weekend in big 12 basketball. So a busy show coming your way today on Friday, a whole lot to do. Hope you guys enjoy. Josh Neighbors here on the Locked On Big 12 podcast here on this Friday edition. We did the Iowa State version of this preview for the Big 12 championship game. And now we're going to bring on David Walker, who is holding his child. And, and David, it's funny because I was going to have Gabe Eichert on, and Gabe's having a busy week. Capped off of the fact that he announced on Twitter yesterday he and his wife, Carolyn, are going to have a baby. So congrats to them. And I have you on now this morning, you know, and you have your baby. So uh, OU offensive linemen and their children is, is, has been a theme this week on the Lockdown Big 12 podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. And we got, uh, got Callahan Walker riding shotgun with me on my mm. hip here. Six weeks old and uh, sleeping currently. So we're, we're good. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm pumped to talk about Big 12 championship weekend. It's, it's been a long journey for the Sooners to get back there this season and certainly, you know, that's where they want to be. That's where they're expected to be every first, you know, typically the first weekend of December, but that's where they're supposed to be as a program. And it wasn't the path they anticipated, but here they are. Yeah. It's funny because usually on a big 12 championship game or in a normal college football season, we kind of know the stakes of the game, right? Especially when it comes to the playoff. And I've gone back and forth on it because we know we get the rankings out on Tuesday and every day I kind of go back and forth. I, I'm one second. I'm like, well, there's no way for the winner to get in. And then, you know, you watch SportsCenter one morning, you'll see, I mean, I think I saw Sanchez and Tebow were on this morning saying, yeah, Big 12 champion could get in, right? And you, you kind of wonder, uh, you know, you, you try to put that stuff aside, but everything's all about the playoff always. And it can be hard to, especially for us in the media, right? We always kind of think about, hey, not just, you know, New Year's Six uh, stake and a, and a great end of your season, a Big 12 championship. It's hard not to think about that playoff spot. Certainly at Oklahoma, they have a history of making the playoffs. Whether you value that history or not is a different conversation, but mm -hmm. it's certainly an expectation of theirs to be in that conversation. So for them, they would hope that that's a, a play-in game always. But for Iowa State, that's uncharted territory. 
I do think there's a path, but it's going to require quite a bit to take place. Yeah, it's going to require some work. Uh, and so, you know, we'll just kind of, I think it's important to acknowledge that, but also let's you know, talk about, you know, the fact that we are having this game and you, you know, you somebody, you played in multiple, uh, you know, two of these conference championship games, right? Winning one, a former big 12 conference title game winner, just to describe the experience, you know, especially personally, then from that Oklahoma side of things, you know, a place that you expect to be, but uh, what's game week like, how is it different is it, it was a different either year you felt like uh, for you guys in the game and just your lead up to it. What do you think? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so I won a big 12 championship in 2002 and that season we had lost a couple of games. We were ranked number one, got upset late in the year. So by the time we got to the big 12 championship game, we were playing for that was in the BCS era. We were playing to get into one of those uh, BCS games that was not going to be the national title game. So we ended up winning and we went to the Rose bowl, won the Rose bowl. But we knew going into the Big 12 Championship weekend that we were not playing to get into the national title game. Now, the next year, we were ranked number one. We're undefeated. We're playing Kansas State in Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. And then we were so high in the BCS that we were going into that whole week saying, all the national media was saying, even if Oklahoma loses, they're in no matter what. Mm -hmm. As players, you can't help but hear those things. And whether that permeated to the point that it cost us that game, I can't say, but we lost that game and still got to the national title game, still remain number one in the BCS. But that's the only Big 12 championship Oklahoma has lost. They're, you know, they're 10 and one in Big 12 title games and they won three without the title game. So I, I have that distinction of uh, being on the only Rose Bowl champion team in Oklahoma history and also the only Big 12 championship game loser in Oklahoma history. So I've seen both sides of it. Who'd you guys beat in the first one? I'm, I'm forgetting my mind. Uh, it was Colorado. Colorado, right, right. And you know what's funny, David, is, is that we're talking about the two you played in, right? So you got Colorado and Kansas State. And I'm going to think back to the most recent ones. Uh, the opponents have been Baylor, Texas, and this year, Iowa State. And the, obviously the thing is, opponents come and go, OU remains. And I think, you know, while the, the season, you could say from that standpoint, we talked about the playoff thing, is just disappointing. There's still a reputation to uphold here. Like you guys, like you said, 10-1. Y'all are the, you know, Oklahoma, are the, they are the big dogs. And there's a lot of upstart teams that have come in there. This Iowa State team feels similar in some ways to like a Baylor, right? With like just the coach with a lot of momentum and yep. um, one of the best rosters that they're going to have, right? You know, you, you expect some attrition from that standpoint. And I just think it's, it's important to note, like, you know, whether it was Stoops or whether, you know, now it is, uh, you know, now Lincoln Riley or you know, whoever in between, like this, just the constant of, of OU being able to reach this point is very impressive, I think. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Josh. You know, there's also you can throw in you know, a couple games against Missouri, a game against Nebraska before they left. Mm -hmm. And then there was also uh, the 2017 championship game against TCU. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's you can count on two hands the opponents who have come into those matchups against Oklahoma and only Kansas State has that lone win with Darren Sproles and you know, I think he's still running on us somewhere, those, those <laughs> legs churning in the open field. But, yeah, it, it is – you know, Oklahoma has been the constant. And it's it's a staggering statistic to look at when you see the, the Big 12 championship totals and you see Oklahoma has 13 and the next closest is three of anybody mm -hmm. else. Uh, that's staggering. I don't care what level of play you're at. That's a, just a, a huge gap in, in football. So, yes, they're trying to extend that gap every year so – you know, if they win it this year, then it's, they've got an 11 championship edge on anybody in the league. And I think that that plays in from an expectation standpoint where 
this team doesn't want to be the one that drops that ball. They don't want to be the one that, you know, blows the five in a row to, to allow somebody else to get in the door. And, you know, I, I go back to Iowa State. The, the biggest difference to me in Iowa State versus a Baylor versus a TCU and even a Texas is they're not intimidated by Oklahoma. And they've proven that over the last four years. Now, you, you and I were on Locked On Sooners on Monday talking about this, but in the last four years, Iowa State is two and two against Oklahoma, and they have a plus three scoring edge. And they're a two-point conversion away from being three and one against Oklahoma in the last four years. So they're not going to show up to Arlington and kiss the ring. They're not going to bow down to the champion. They're not going to be happy to be there because from their perspective, they don't care about the you know 19-12 championship team in Iowa State. They are the 2020 Cyclones that feel like everything is in front of them. And now the curious part of it to me is how will they handle this extra amount of chips that have been stacked on the table in front of them with that number six college football playoff ranking? Yeah, you know, Matt Campbell's got a, got a job in front of him. It's a lot of added pressure. And like you said, you know, it's a good dimension with Baylor last year. You think about, I guess that first game, I'm trying to remember, was it 28-3 to lead? Is that what it was they had and they blow that game? I always think they didn't do that. Like they, they went out there this year and they took care of business and have had that recent success. And you know, there's, there's no mental hurdle of, can we beat, uh, can we beat Oklahoma? They know they can. And, and yep. that, you know, they've been there this season and, and done it. Now, obviously, you know, something in college football, it's very difficult. And we're talking about this, uh, you know, as we do usually during championship weekend in some other games, right. Talking about, you know, Clemson, Notre Dame, can Notre Dame beat them twice. And, you know, that's, it's a challenge, but, at the same time, you and I mentioned this earlier, this feels like a totally different football game, right? This feels like a totally different game because that that Iowa State game we were talking about earlier, earlier in the season, you know, both teams clearly were not at peak efficiency, right? They were searching for stuff. I believe both of them, yeah, they both lost games to that point of the season. And so they were trying to, both teams searching for identities, right? Trying to find themselves. And this is now a, a point where, both teams have found themselves. I think you and I, you know, you obviously are rooting for Oklahoma, you know, but I think as kind of just football fans in general, I'd like to see both these teams working at peak efficiency. I want to see this thing be, uh, you know, each team show this season that work they've put in and, and show us the point they arrived to arrived at during the game. Yeah. Well, it's certainly good for the big 12 uh, to have, have two teams coming in at a peak, right? And to have two teams that are in the top 10, it's it just makes for more intrigue. Now, I think Oklahoma fans care very little about conference supremacy and the pride of the Big 12 because, you know, I think there's a little bit of that. Yes, Oklahoma wants a quality opponent in the Big 12 championship game to help right. them. But I think for that's I think for the Oklahoma, that's where it stops. I think there are, are leagues out there, the SEC being one of those, that you know the the strength of the league works to their advantage at times and, and gives them the benefit of the doubt at times. And Oklahoma hasn't really been able to get that edge from their league. They they have been the sole survivor. They've been the only one to enter the playoff scenario. So I, I think there's um, a little bit of a, a weight that they carry for this conference that the conference almost needs Oklahoma to to carry that right now. So it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, you, you mentioned Baylor being an upstart and they fell off hard, right? They lost their coach and they had a bad season this year. Mm -hmm. They were competitive in, in most of those games, but they didn't get the wins. Iowa State's an upstart. And you're trying to find those contenders that are going to be able to stick around and come in year in, year out. You know, Georgia has emerged in the SEC as a team that is is on the cusp. They haven't been able to break through, but at least they are 
coming back every year as a, as a good football program, right? They're, they're maintaining some level of consistency. So I think that's, that's one thing the Big 12 needs in these championship games is it would be nice for, uh, for the conference to have somebody that's going to be able to say, hey, every year we're trying to get there too. It's not just this revolving door of, you know, Oklahoma versus a mystery opponent, you know, and you can almost just pencil that in. It's, it, that to me is something that needs to change. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Clemson and Notre Dame game. I know we're not here to talk about that, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. there was so much, so much talked about, uh, you know, whether Trevor Lawrence's absence was going to factor into that game and how they would be penalized for losing that game without him. And while Ronnie Perkins and Ramon J. Stevenson are not Trevor Lawrence, the sum of their parts and the impact they make on both sides of the football for Oklahoma, the two games they lost without those guys, and this is just, I'm trying to be as objective as I can be, but those are wins with those two guys on the field. As inexperienced as they were everywhere else, if you just put those two guys that are NFL players at their positions, they're two of the best in the league at their positions on the field for those games, they would have helped those inexperienced players, you know, overcome a three-point loss and a seven-point loss. But that didn't happen. Now, does Clemson get the benefit of the doubt for Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely, they, they do. And now they're going to run, and this is a whole separate conversation we could probably get into some other time, but yeah, the ACC could have potentially really screwed Clemson over by giving Notre Dame, a, you know, the opportunity to come join the league as a one-off. You know, Notre Dame was sitting out there all by themselves on their own doing, but because their NBC deal and their independent status, and they were about to get left hanging on this schedule this year, and, they, and the ACC welcomed them in. And if they don't, if Clemson doesn't take care of business on Saturday, it might have come at the cost of their their bell cow program. So that's really an intriguing development. I would love that to happen. I would. I'm not a huge Clemson fan, so I would I would enjoy that. Well, I think the ACC would deserve it if they get that because nobody was asking them to take in Notre Dame. Nobody. Would, yeah. I mean, college football fans wouldn't have felt sorry for Notre Dame. That's the bed they made. Yeah. You know, and you, I'm with you on that part of it. If you're independent. You subject yourself to those kind of things. Now, you know, back to this Oklahoma game. I think that if things were different, if they didn't lose the Kansas State game, they didn't blow the three touchdown lead. I mean, I still have no idea how they lost that football game. Yeah, I did. I don't. I don't. Too. It was. It's kind of almost. You will go back and watch it now. It's like surreal that it happened. Yeah, and it's one of those games. It's a twilight zone game that Oklahoma seemingly has once a year against a team that they should beat. Things start going awry and they lose it. Now that to me is where if they had not lost that football game, I think the Iowa State game this week is number five versus number six mm-hmm. and they're playing for a play-in spot and, and maybe maybe number four versus number six who knows how it would shake out but I think that would be a, a much different conversation so whether Oklahoma's playing for a playoff game or not I can't say but I do think Iowa State is one upset away I think they are Notre Dame beating Clemson away from getting in the cha- in the championship playoff if they win because I think yeah. Ohio State's in with a win but I, I think they could jump A&M yeah I think when it co- I mean look you look, look at who's playing in the top 10 this week right AM is playing Tennessee. They're the only top 10 team that is not playing somebody else in the top 10 um, or, or somebody who's, you know, in, in the cha- rather championship picture, right? I mean, uh, Northwestern is outside the top 10, but they're still in this thing. And uh, that's kind of the interesting, the interesting part of this is that this, for this year, we do have some drama. And I think another added layer to this game is, you know, talk about, you know, the number of number of upstart teams have come in here. Unlike a lot of years in this one, OU has has a kind of revenge factor, right? Like there is a we owe you one, and you know, I mean, for for Iowa State to beat Oklahoma twice in a season, not saying it would mean anything long term for the, the state of the conference, but would just be a very impressive notch. I mean, a really impressive notch in the belt of Matt Campbell. 
And I think that's part of it too, right? Like in, in your, you know, if you put yourself in the player's shoes, like you've been, you know, would you, would you say it's part of it or is, or there's too many other things that you're worried about as a player going into this game? No, I definitely think that there's an edge there. Uh, I think that you see there was the fact that they lost the game in Ames. That's one side of it. Then this week, the big 12 conference teams were announced and Oklahoma did not have a single defender on the first team in the all big 12. And whether Ronnie Perkins should have been on that team or not, I will say he should not have been. And he's the best football player Oklahoma has, either Mm -hmm. side of the ball. I think he's the best defensive player in the entire league, but he played four out of eight games in the conference. So that's not a first-team All-Big 12 player Mm -hmm. when you play half the games. And it's done by your own own doing, right? By breaking a rule that that you knew was a rule, whether or not that's a a great rule or a bad rule is a whole other conversation. But it was a rule, you broke it, and you were out. But however, whether I can say that I can rationalize why he wasn't or not, he took it personal. The team's taking it personal that nobody was selected, even though they've, they have a top 20 defense. They don't have a single soul on that first team. I think those are the things that you start stacking those things up, that it's really hard, Josh, to motivate a team to win another ring when they've got, you know, every upperclassman there has three to four rings on their finger right now, right? So they're looking for a fourth or a fifth, and some guys are looking for a first or a second. But it's harder to just dangle that same carrot every year sometimes. But when you give an opportunity to, to get that upset-minded mentality where Oklahoma doesn't get to be in that role very often in the Big 12, for sure. And I know Vegas and, you know, the bet AG, they're all favor Oklahoma. That's great. But the rankings don't favor Oklahoma. And the conversation nationally when it comes to the playoff doesn't favor Oklahoma. So that's enough combined with the slightedness that they feel about the, the Big 12 teams to give Oklahoma an edge that I think they really do desperately need to be able to come up, to rally around something to say, hey, yes, this is going for our six-peat, but we need to prove something here. And we cannot afford as a program to allow Iowa State to come in and beat us twice. Yeah, and, and you know, we'll look at this game uh, just from uh, kind of the actual, like, you know, game itself besides the storylines. Coming in, Iowa State, five and a half point underdogs, uh, the over/under in this game is 58, according to Bet AG. Uh, and once again, I want to thank them for for sponsoring the whole Lockdown Network. It's like very exciting stuff there. But yeah, five and a half. And um, you know, look, I, I've kind of gone back and forth in this game, right? I mean, just when it comes to the spread and just how I feel about the game in general, I felt like this might be a slower start. It, it, th- these two teams, I think, not caution what they're going to come in with, but just I, I could see a, a bit of a filling out process, right? the calling card for both these teams in the latter part of the season has been defense. And so I think there is a a method to letting those guys cook a little bit, right. And trying to figure out and, and, and on the other side of it, kind of see what holes you can find in other teams defense early on in the game. And then kind of as things will heat up a little bit, I think that's where you might get some more offense, but I do think it's two good defenses. And I think that's what we're going to see more of first, in my opinion. What about you? Yeah. And that's what, needs to be shown on a national level. Again, like I said, I'm not somebody that you're never going to hear me chant Big 12. You're never going to hear me, you know, tout the conference. Me nor- neither. And I, and I do, I do the podcasts. So. Yeah. And so, but, and, and I, I do that out of two reasons. One, I try to be objective. I don't think the Big 12 has been a great league. Okay. Like that's just, let's just say that right out flat, flat out. But I also don't think it's, it's to Oklahoma specifically. It's not to their advantage for the Big 12 to be the SEC. Oklahoma is going to be Oklahoma. And if they win the Big 12 every year and they take care of their business, they're going to be in the playoff. 
So for them, it's actually a pretty good situation that the rest of the league just kind of has this revolving door. But I think for Oklahoma specifically, the fact that if, if this game is a defensive matchup and the country is watching and Oklahoma's on the outside looking in this year, the playoff mix, and they see Oklahoma be a defensive football team in a championship game against arguably the best running back in America and Brees Hall, three great tight ends at Iowa State, a couple of big time NFL guys and Charlie Kohler. And, you know, that just to me, that is what Oklahoma needs to show on the national stage that might not get them in this year, but it will begin to continue to change this narrative about, yes, Oklahoma dominates the Big 12 because the Big 12, blah, 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 blah. But if they can dominate the Big 12 by playing great defense and complimentary football, then I think there's a, a benefit to that game being played out that way. And I, I kind of tend to agree with you, Josh. I think it'll be a feeling out process early, very similar to what it was in Ames. It wasn't a high scoring affair up there either. It was just kind of a back and forth that, you know, ends up 37, 30. I could see that being the case. I, I think Lincoln Riley will lean on his defense more. He typically gets more conservative as the game goes on. Mm -hmm. So he kind of has a, a more of a tendency usually to take his shots early on. Mm -hmm. Settle in if he gets a two to three score lead, starts to peel it back and be more run heavy, a little more methodical, a little bit more time consuming with the drives. So I think that it could be one that a turnover swings this game, a short field somewhere or the other. I think you could almost sum it up to say Ramondre Stevenson versus Brees Hall, whoever wins that rushing game, say, yeah, going to win the football game. And that's maybe that's too simple, but I think that's going to be a huge part of it. But for me, like the prediction I would give is I think that Oklahoma will impose their will defensively on Brock Purdy. I think that you add Ronnie Perkins to that pass rush. They're in the game in Ames, Iowa, Oklahoma had three dropped interceptions. Mm -hmm. Couldn't find the turnover if they wanted to. Uh, but that, to me, will be the biggest difference is if they can contain him, force them into be one-dimensional, then that's where the football game will be won. And I anticipate Oklahoma coming out 34-23. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be kind of a similar game. I think, like you said, the early shots from Lincoln Riley – you know, usually we see this, see that, but I think this game is one where, look, I think establishing runs important, right? And these two, these are two teams that use play action very well, uh, and two quarterbacks who know who have learned how to use that play action to their advantage. So I, I agree with you. Uh, I know you got to go, so get you out of here. Star of the game, who's who's gonna be your your Big Twelve Conference Championship game MVP? Star of the game, I will go with Spencer Rattler. I think Spencer Rattler is going to play big on Saturday. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a necessarily a huge stat line, but I think it's going to be a some some combination of a four-touchdown performance, whether that's passing and, and getting one running. And I think he'll, he will account for four touchdowns, and I think Oklahoma wins based upon that. Perfect. David Walker of Locked On Sooners. Where can people find you and your work? You can follow me on Twitter at D underscore walk 74. Like you said, you can catch us on Locked On Sooners at Locked On Sooners, and also you can follow me in my – other podcasts, Iron Horse podcast with NFL cornerback Brandon Carr, which is a weekly podcast dedicated to building athletes off the field for success beyond the game. And you can follow us at the Iron Horse pod and get that on any podcast platform as well. Perfect. David Walker of Locked On Sooners joining us today. Thank you for your time, David. All right. Thanks, Josh. All right. Great conversation there with our guy, David Walker of the Locked On Sooners podcast. Go check them out. Subscribe to that show wherever you can find your podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter too at LOBig12 for our official game pick against the spread coming out tomorrow. Uh, we're going to get to the rest of the show here, but first, let you guys know today's show is brought to you by Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to unwind? How do you like to hit the reset button and get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle 
all the time. Work, friends, family, a million pressing, pressing issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. And that's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies themselves. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, guys, coming up next, it is my picks. The Saturday 7, seven games we will pick against the spread for championship weekend in college football. All right, let's do it. The Saturday 7 is seven non-Big 12 games that we are picking against the spread to start off here. First game, and once again, guys, before we get going, all spreads are brought to you by AG. So they, they have all the uh, spreads of everything you guys want right now. Prop bets as well, too, for every game, not just the Big 12 championship game, not just championship games this weekend. All games in college football coming up this weekend, they have lines for all of these. All right, we're going to start out uh, tonight's game, Friday night's game. It is the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon and USC. Oregon gets in this game because Washington is dealing with COVID issues. The Ducks are 3-2. and two. USC is number 13 in the country in the college football playoff rankings. They are 5-0. and oh. The USC Trojans are three-point favorites in this game. It's taking place tonight in Los Angeles, California. So in this game, uh, I think USC is able to keep it rolling. I do think the better coaching staff lies with the Oregon Ducks, but I think this year USC has generated kind of enough momentum, enough inertia to get them going. Coming off a big win last week against UCLA, I do think they keep that going. And also, long week for Mario Cristobal and company, when you just consider the fact that uh, you know the, the Auburn rumors were were swirling, he he signs a contract extension uh, yesterday, and the numbers actually it's not that it's not a really killer contract. I mean we've seen a lot bigger in the Southeastern Conference, but um, yeah, he signs that contract extension, kind of a, a note there moving forward. Oregon with a point to prove here, though I will say that I mean you know you can make the argument that they did not deserve to be in this game, so I'm interested to see how they respond. I do think. Keaton, uh, Keaton Slovis, Amon St. Brown. I mean, this guy is an absolute animal. He is one of the best receivers that we have seen in college football this, seri- uh, this season, period. And uh, last week, too, I mean, really impressive stuff. Drake London, too, another great target that has been uh, there for Slovis this season, who's 
been inconsistent at times, but I think he and Graham Harrell are now on the same page. I think he's rolling now, and I think that that combination of London and St. Brown on the outside is going to be too much for Oregon to handle. Uh, And once again, Amon St. Brown is coming off a very impressive 10 reception, 73-yard, two-touchdown performance. He did catch the game-winning touchdown as well. So uh, I think USC is coming into this game with enough momentum. I'd lay the three here, and I would take the USC Trojans. Next game, guys, Big Ten Championship game. It's number 14 at Northwestern, who are, uh, they're 6-1. So a really awesome season for Pat Fitzgerald's outfit. They take on the Ohio State Buckeyes at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, Ohio State is number four in the country. They are 5-0. and Obviously, so much conversation has been around them. Uh, line on this game, 20. Ohio State favored by just under three touchdowns. And... Look, as much as we all like Northwestern to win this game, not just for the Big 12, but just for the sense of chaos, right? We all we all like the uh, the chaos scenarios. I think the more the chaos scenario involves a, uh, a Clemson loss. But, I mean, let's see here, right? You know, we, we have to play this weekend out. I, I think Northwestern is going to cover the 20 because they've got a great defense. They're physical. They're tough. they got to hang on on the outside as long as they can. they got to generate some pressure, though. Right, that's the best way that this Ohio State team can be rattled. We saw Indiana do that, and I'm wondering if this uh, this defense from Northwestern can. And I think there's a chance they can. Right, I, I think it's all about for them taking care of the football too. Right, if Peyton Ramsey can keep the ball out of harm's way, I think Northwestern's got a chance to keep this game close. Not saying they have a chance to win, but they do have a chance to keep this game close. They have a, a varied rushing attack. All right, this is a team that uh, as a whole has you know five guys who have been over 150 yards this season. Get that running game going. See if your offensive line can get some kind of a push and try to keep this thing close and hang on for dear life and uh, kind of hope for a miracle in this game. I'll take the 20 points. I think they cover this. I'm not sure the game is too close, though. Uh, but I think 20 in a conference championship game, you know, in this situation, I think it's worth saying, hey, just take the points. All right, this game is one that cannot be lost by Texas A&M. It's number, game number three we have today. It is number five A&M at 7-1 at 3-6 and six Tennessee. 14-point favorites are the Aggies uh, coming off a week where their Ole Miss game was canceled. I've said it over and over again. I wish we got to see that game between Ole Miss and Texas A&M. I think it would have been a relatively compelling contest. I think Ole Miss does things well uh, with the passing game that would be able to give problems, right? Um, I think they'd be able to cause some issues for Texas A&M's secondary, but we're not going to get to see that. So Tennessee um, having to make a quarterback change, right? We saw what uh, Jared Garantano did this season, not impressive enough, uh, and them falling off, losing, I believe, six straight games by double digits for the first time in program history. Tennessee, is it's been a disaster for them. Luckily, they got a respite last week against Vanderbilt. We're able to put, kind of put it in cruise control last week, and Harrison Bailey didn't look too bad. We'll see what he does this week against a much better uh, A&M defense. Lay the 14 here. Tennessee's pretty bad. But, uh, I mean, A&M has a, has a habit of making games close, But and this is a stay away for me. But lay the 14. It's part of the 7. It's an impactful game. Uh, let's just see if Tennessee can give A&M a game, right? I, I think there's a lot of us out here who don't want to see Texas A&M in the playoff, and I'm one of them because their matchup with Alabama was so one-sided last time. And I haven't seen much from A&M that would tell me they're a team, you know, especially offensively, that can hurt A&M anyway. 
They've got Isaiah Spiller, and they've got Jaden Weidermeyer. And that feels like that's about the extent of guys that can hurt you because Kellen Mond, he ain't it. Uh, he ain't it right now. All right, ULL and Coastal got canceled, so that game is now off the board. It was one of the games we were going to pick. So we'll move on to number five now. Clemson, number three in the country, 9-1 at Notre Dame. 10-0, number two in the country. Right now, the line, or when I checked it yesterday at least, and did all the notes for the show, Bet AG had it at 10. See it some places at 10 and a half. 10, though, feels uh, like a good, a good number to me. I'm on Notre Dame in this game uh, to cover. I, I think this game is going to be much closer than a lot of people think. I'm kind of actually leaning towards Notre Dame to win it. Um, they're definitely going to cover, in my opinion. I, I think they win the game, too. I think what they've done this year wire to wire has shown that this team is different than past Notre Dame teams. The way they handle you up front, their offensive line, defensive line have taken over games in this past season. We've seen it. And I think that's something that is reliable, dependable that you can count on. Um, and, and I think that battle again is going to be where this game is won and lost in the trenches, right? I mean, a lot of talent on these teams, but if Clemson, you know, if they get that push, like North Carolina was able to with the defensive line, it's going to come down to, can you stop Ian Book, though, right? He made a lot of plays in that game. He was able to escape the pocket. He was able to keep plays alive. And even on some plays, just throwing the ball away, making the right play. Ian Book, I think if he can do that, Notre Dame's got a great shot at winning this football game. I think they do. And I think we're kind of scratching our head here about Trevor Lawrence and this Clemson team. I'm going to pick Notre Dame to pull the upset. It's the one place this weekend I think you're actually going to see me uh, going with the upset pull. So take the 10 points here. Gobble them up and take the Irish. Alabama and Florida. Alabama's 10-0, number one of the country against Florida in the SEC championship game. Florida 8-2, number seven. I don't know if they can get in. I doubt it. But, I mean, let's just see, right? Let's roll the dice. Uh, let's get them out there. Let's roll, about, roll the ball out, as they say, and play. 16.5 was this line. Lay that. Lay the 16.5. Florida's not going to be able to stop Alabama. Um, not at all. And, and I, and I think not saying that Dan Mullen's comments this week, even any extra motivation, Alabama knows what's at stake. They know they're a juggernaut. They know that they're better than Florida. And I think they impose a will in this game. You saw what LSU did last week against Florida, even on the defensive side, causing some issues. I think this much improved Alabama defense is going to have the same ability to, to, uh, to do so. And also too, that, that Florida offense, notoriously slow starters. Uh, and Alabama, not notoriously slow starters. So I think we see a game here where, look, it's all about the first 10 minutes of this contest. Uh, if it's 14 nothing, let's put a wrap on it. It's over, right? We, we saw Georgia go up 14 nothing, but that was a Stetson-Bennett, right? That, that didn't really matter that much. Florida took over that game. Alabama can just keep scoring, right? I, I, Todd Grantham's going to have a long day. Uh, this could be the longest day of his career, and he's had many long games, especially last week against a third-string quarterback. If a third-string quarterback did that, I'm wondering what Mac Jones and company can do. Big game for Heisman implications, all kinds of stuff. So, so I'm kind of excited to see um, the Heisman perspective, right? Kyle Trask, a long shot, needs to put up huge numbers, huge to get a win this or to, to get considered for the Heisman this week, right? Devontae Smith now has crept in according to Bet AG. Mac Jones minus 120 favorite last time I checked. Devontae Smith plus 110. He was plus 900 last week. Fire, you know, just shooting up the boards. Kyle Trask has switched plays with him at plus 900. So I think that's something compelling to watch. But I'd like the 16 and a half. Alabama rolls. Uh, last game Tulsa and Cincinnati. Cincinnati are 14 point favorites against Tulsa. 
Cincinnati, I think, wants to make a point here. But it's going to be challenged, right? This is a very good, very good uh, Tulsa defense. That's what they're known for. I think Cincinnati, though, if they can get Ritter going, they it had a long layoff, but I think they kind of cumulatively throughout the game uh, are able to take a lead and then kind of expand it. And they're able to keep themselves at arm's length. Another favorite I like this week, I lay the 14 points in that one. So once again, picks for this week, USC minus three, OSU, uh, Northwestern covering plus 20 against uh, Ohio State, AM laying 14 against Tennessee, ULL and Coastal got canceled. Clemson, uh, I like Notre Dame plus the 10 there. Alabama laying 16 and a half. And then Cincinnati minus 14. Check all those things out at BetOnlineAG. All right, one more break. When we come back, some Big 12 hoops to wrap up the show. Uh, we got a weekend full of Big 12 hoops. Let you guys know what the schedule is. And also, talk about Kansas getting that dub last night over Texas Tech. Uh, able to go in to uh, to Lubbock and, and get a W there in a low-scoring rock fight. But nonetheless, another big dub for the Jayhawks. We'll talk about that in a second. Before we move on to hoops, want to let you guys know that today's podcast is brought to you by a Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it every day and go with Built Go. It's easy to take in a 1.5-ounce package. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Build Go, it's the best workout gel on the market right now. It's like five-hour energy without that same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a Monster Energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They've got three delicious flavors, peanut butter brownie, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Right now, visit BuildGo.com. Use a promo code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, LOCKED. And you'll get 20% off your next order. Once again, promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Uh, and guys, make sure you guys stay tuned to the show here coming at the end of the week, obviously, or at the beginning of next week, we're going to have a Big 12 uh, championship recap. We'll talk about all things championship weekend with Corbett Koslack on Monday's show. So make sure you guys check that out. All right. To wrap up the show, we're going to do a few minutes on Big 12 hoops. We've got a couple big games this week we're going to talk about, and then we're going to preview what we got coming up this weekend in Big 12 basketball. All right, let's talk about it. Kansas 58, Texas Tech 57 last night for uh, the Jayhawks. Huge win. They get to 7-1, and one, number 5 in the country right now. Texas Tech falls to 6-2, 0-1 in the conference. What a game this was, and I don't mean that in a positive way because this was a – I mean, there's good defense, but it was a rock fight, man. It was a complete rock fight. Um, there's a difference between good defense and missing a lot of open shots. And this game was <laughs> not somewhere in between, but it was more towards the, uh, the the end of missing a lot of shots. At one point in the game, Mac McClung for Texas Tech was 5 of 10, I believe, and the rest of the team was 5 for like 20. Uh, they struggled to score. And that was one thing we knew about Texas Tech, right, was trying to find that mix, trying to get guys like Terrence Shannon, who ended up with 20 points last night, involved. But, um, you know, trying to figure out how to get all these parts to coalesce 
and get to a point where they're all in, you know, a symphony and they were not last night. McClung ended up finishing the game pretty poorly, 5 of 16. Uh, they go 9 of 10 from the free throw line. The, the key for Kansas, right? We talked about their guard play needing to get going. Last night it did. Oshai Agbaji was uh, 23 points uh, was the number for him last night. Five rebounds. And for him, four for seven from beyond the arc. And he had a couple big threes. Marcus Garrett continued to struggle shooting, but he had a double-double, 10 points, 10 rebounds, and four assists. Kansas only shot 40% from the floor, six of 18 from three, uh, but they were 14 of 15 from the line. And defensively, they held Texas Tech to just 32% shooting from the floor, six of 23 from deep, and uh, 11 of 18 from the free throw line, which obviously, you know, it's not holding them to that number, but uh, they didn't shoot it well. And that was the difference, right? I mean, Texas Tech leaves some of those out there. And Chris Beard made a point after the game saying, look, the record for, te- for for Kansas in close games is very good. And I saw it this morning. It was like 47 and 28 in, in games decided by three points or less during Bill Self's tenure. And there's a reason for that, right? Uh, tremendous coach who gets great talent. And those guys have some faith. Not a great night for my, my guy, Jalen Wilson, but he did have a key, uh, really crucial block at the end of the game to help KU get over the hump. So a huge... 58-57 win for the Jayhawks in this game. Also this week, TCU with a furious comeback in uh, against uh, Oklahoma State. And that game was on Wednesday night. TCU 77, Oklahoma State 76. And we talked about it in this game uh, leading up to it, right? Good litmus test to see if Oklahoma State was ready. Well, they were up until the very end of the game. And in the end, uh, Nemhard, RJ Nemhard is able to uh, knock down a jumper to give Texas Tech, or to give rather TCU the lead and get them the win. So there were some encouraging signs in this game. Cade Cunningham had a rough night shooting the ball. And I think defenses, especially the defenses in the Big 12 Conference, are going to begin to kind of key in on him. Um, and there was a decent scoring balance from the rest of the guys out there. Likely added 10. They also got 10 from Moncrief. Uh, 12 from Walker, and then, you know, they shot the three really poorly was what really did them in. They were 3 of 17 from deep, and Cunningham going 6 of 18, 0 of 3 from deep was a key too, right? We, we always knew that consistency was going to be an issue for Oklahoma State, and they're going to need to find more of it moving forward. Uh, RJ Nemhard, great game, ends up with 21 points and 9 of 15 shooting, 4 rebounds, 4 assists as well, and TCU, man, this was a great win for them. Uh, you know, it feels like they've had Kevin Samuel there for a few years now, and he adds 17 points. Guys averaging a double-double on the year. Uh, 18 points, rather, and 8 rebounds. This is a great win for TCU. Uh, just just kind of put it straight out there. It's a great win for TCU. They get back on the horse now. They're at 6-2, and 1-1 uh, and one in the conference after lost against, uh, their loss rather against Oklahoma. Uh, they did get the win against AM. It's back-to-back wins for them. So good on TCU, Oklahoma State. Still in a good spot, I think. You know, maybe not a tournament team this year. Uh, it's just going to matter, and you know, about what kind of form they can round themselves into as we hit the latter part of the schedule. All right, coming up tonight, Iowa State at West Virginia. Good luck uh, in that one this weekend. Baylor is at Kansas State, so Kansas State, you know, one of them in the conference, put together a little bit of momentum. We'll see with back-to-back wins, and and they got one over Iowa State, who's probably not a great team. But uh, I'm curious to see if Kansas State can put up any kind of a fight against Baylor. Oklahoma takes on Houston Baptist, and then on Sunday, Jackson State at Iowa State, and this game is actually the one I'm looking forward to the most from the weekend. We've got Oklahoma and Texas. So there's a couple games to look forward to. That one's at Longhorn on Longhorn Network on Sunday. All right, that'll do it for us. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. Follow me 
at joshnabors underscore. I want to thank David Walker for joining us on the show today. And until Monday, stay safe, everybody. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 